Hello and welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Podcast. I'm Christina and I'm joined by the other nerds, Ryan. Hello. Carissa. Hey, yeah. And Matt. Hi. Together we take on the week's comics. Each week we'll read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear the spoilers, take a break now, go read your week's books, and then come on back. Each week, one of us picks our favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. This week, the pick of the week goes to I Hate Fairyland number one. I Hate Fairyland number one is by Image Comics, written by Scotty Young, art by Scotty Young. This is his own book. Um, I have been waiting for this for quite some time. Uh, we heard about it at the Image Expo earlier this year, and I have been uh, waiting impatiently, I should say. Um, what's really interesting about this book is that uh, he actually had a different title for this that wasn't allowed because it wouldn't be okay on the uh, comic book shelves. The original title is Fuck Fairyland. Um, which I am very happy about. Uh, there was a release of that issue as well, um, and I have a copy of it in my hot little hands. Um, so the the book is about a sweet little girl named Gertrude who wishes nothing more to go to a land filled with wonder and magic and laughter and joy. Um, which is very, very Alice in Wonderlandy, very sweet. Um, but... You know, we don't always get what we want for uh, or we wish for, but in this case, she does get it, and it's fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> so she gets there, and she crash lands into the middle of the town square. She gets to meet the queen and is very, very unhappy and wants to find out how she can get home. Um, the queen does tell her there is a way to get home, and she will help her on her adventure by giving her a map and a fly or a gnat named Larrington Wentzworth III um, to help her on her way. So she leaves off on her journey um, to go and trying to find her way home. Uh, that's where we leave her. Uh, then we meet her again 27 years later. Same little girl. Same face. Horrible, horrible persona. She's full of hate and destruction, and she wants to basically kill anything that gets in her way from getting home. Well, uh, it took two days to get to finish, so huh? Two two yeah. shakes of a yeah. What they said two roughly translate to two days. Yeah, two days, later. twenty-seven years in in fairyland of hell. Um, yeah. So the story goes through. I mean, she's just murdering and killing everything through her path. Uh, she kills the moon and the stars, which pisses off the queen to all high hell. Uh, she, she meets a Jabba-like slug. Yeah, with slug life tattoo. There is a cute little nod to Star Wars in there. I don't know if anybody caught it. If you didn't, read it again, because I'm not going to tell you, but it was adorable. Um, I love, I mean, I love this book. This book was right up my alley. I love Alice in Wonderland. I love like cartoon violence. It's very like Ren and Stimpy. If anyone's a fan of that, um, gory, but not super gory. It's all, you know, blood and silliness. Uh, I totally love this book. This was, this was exactly what I wanted. There's no, no qualms there. I love the kitty cussing. I was thinking about that, right? Because when she left her her actual home, she was, what, like, seven or eight? Something yeah. like that. And then she gets to, like, Fairyland, where, of course, they don't swear. So all the swears that she knows are, like, the fake swears. Like, you know, Hugger Fluffer. Yes. And, like, you know. Hugger Fluffer, I think, was my favorite. And Muffin Huggin was another one that she used. Yes. So I, I, I really like, like that. I really like that for well, her you know, because she was eating, she was attacking the little mushroom men, and they're saying we don't look, we don't not know these dickheads that you speak of. And the little fly sidekick's like, "How much did you ingest?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." Like, like, Twist on him like that's funny. And then like she's been saying blah 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 for. Um, <laughs> She's basically high. I mean, she's like on a on a trip of all the the candy that she ate. On shrooms. Yeah. I I liked it when she crash landed at the beginning, and she's so like her teeth are like knocked out. She's like bones sticking out of her arm. 
Um, and they don't fix her. Like when no. she walks away to go off on her fairyland adventure, she is still she's got totally bones, up. bones she's sticking, sticking out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, she's messed up. <laughs> she is messed up. She's obviously a tortured soul. I mean, at this point, she's thir- she's twenty seven years in, still looks like a kid, and has no no idea what the real world is anymore. She's totally screwed up, and it's freaking awesome. I thought that little fly thing was basically supposed to be like her, like Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. Basically, yeah. 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 So I loved it. I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, so next on the list is Carissa with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by Valerio Itty. I'm gonna mumble nope. that through. It's shitty. <laughs> it's, uh, it's shitty. It does look like shitty. No, you don't understand. The one week where you guys uh, both weren't able to to make it, uh, Ryan and I still met, and we went through the list of uh, of comics. And, and uh, like once we got the shitty, we we're like, well, this is this is okay, but it's no shitty. <laughs> it's not shitty. We instantly turned into 12 year olds. It's turned into. Yes. So, so this is Guardians, but this is Guardians with Kitty as Star Lord. I actually like how she's drawn as Star Lord. I, I wasn't sure. I mean, Kitty has never been my favorite, but um, I'm really like the whole beginning fight sequence. I really like how she's drawn. I like the joke about her clothes. <laughs> Why did she face through her clothes? But seeing Quill being all bored, that was kind of, that was a little bit of a snooze fest for me. <laughs> Which I guess that translates well. You were identifying with the, the subject, but I was like, hmm. Um, as far as the artwork goes, I like I said, I like how Kitty was drawn. I don't like how Groot looks very much. I know I always go back to Groot, but that's just me. Are we supposed to, uh, the Oscarian, though, I think a lot of people who are Guardians fans but never read the comics but want to start getting into the comics after the movie, this this particular uh, issue is a good place to start because it has a lot of things that newbie Marvel fans from the movie verse will definitely identify with. I think because it has the Oscarian, it has the you know the thing, and then just. As I'm drawing a blank on the Shatarans. So it really gives those kind of new people something to latch on to and identify with. I wasn't sure how much I was going to like the new the new members of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but I really liked um, the thing as part of them. I really liked the, you know, him always wanting to be in space. That was the whole reason why he went on the first, uh, you know, their rocket ship to the negative zone, you know, originally, um, was to go into space and now he's finally there. And I just, I thought that that was a good way to, to tie him into belonging with the, the guardians. Um, Venom, I don't really understand what he's doing there. Um, he's, I'm sure he's, he's taking, uh, Captain Marvel's place. There's a member of the Avengers assigned to the guardians of the galaxy. Oh, okay. And he's, he's been in the last couple. He was like in a couple of the other ones before this. My favorite panel, though, was the the green boxes between Kitty and uh, Rocket were trying to decide where to take the thing. And she's like, eh, eh? Oh, and they keep having the silent, like her, like shrugging and making things. Yeah, that, that was yeah, really strong. Yeah, he's like, no, no. And then I'm Groot. And then he goes, no. And after Groot agrees. I thought that was cute. It was my favorite panel of the whole book. I like the uh, the scene where Thing is just kind of trying to figure out about the Infinity Gauntlet. And he's like, where's the Infinity suit of armor and who's wearing it? I just like... And then they reference oh, it again later. We open this and it's an Infinity jockstrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Infinity Gauntlet thing is something that, like, they love to poke fun of it in, like, the Marvel Universe. Um you know, and also in DC, they do some of it too. Like in uh, Harley Quinn, they did a lot to, with that. But um, I, I like there's the scene where uh, where Kitty Pride uh, phases through the ship to disrupt all of the technology. And to me, it, it basically looks like she's almost doing like it looks like she's doing like ballet. Way. 
in space. She I is. Thought Kitty Pryde's a trained ballerina. There you go. <laughs> I thought that was really, really cool um, to kind of use like the weightlessness of space to be able to do that and then have a little, like basically making a performance. I thought it was pretty awesome. Do you realize that their ship is Jetfire? I thought it was. Like I looked at it and I'm like, that looks like that Transformer. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not, um, oh, what are they called? A Robotech ship. I can't remember what they were called. But it, that's specifically Jetfire because it's got the attachments that make him a spaceship. Because I'm that much of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like this more than I thought I would. Um, I'm not a huge Guardian. I'm like Carissa. I'm not a huge Guardians fan. Um, but I really. I like this. I, to me, I, I really liked Kitty Pryde in it. I thought she was awesome. Groot uh, looks kind of weird. Um, yeah, that's what I was saying. With his dreads? Yeah. He looks kind of weirdly... His, his face it, looks like a helmet. Yeah, it, it doesn't... doesn't like a, the, eyes, looks, the eyes don't look right. There's something... The face looks goofy to me. I don't know. I don't like... On the cover, fine. But like when it, when it's in the book, I was like, hmm, it's kind of goofy looking. It doesn't yeah, actually look like... He's kind of like the green tendrils, and then he's got his bark as his armor, and his face is like a like a, like you're saying a helmeted mask kind of thing mm-hmm. that's on top of his actual face. Yeah, and I don't like it. Yeah, I thought the art was really strong, except for that. I think gr- drawing a Groot that will pass uh, Chris's muster is a a challenge for all the artists out there. That's a tough one. They did pretty good with Rocket, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rocket did look better. He looked better than the last than the Groot issue last week. Yes. Less Disney. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. But out of all the characters in this, I thought I really liked how uh, Kitty looked. Kitty looked cool. All right, I like so... The I, I totally want to dress up this Kitty Star-Lord, though. Star-Lord? Oh, her is Star-Lord. Well, Kitty Star Lord, I guess. Yeah. Star Lady? Star Lady. But she doesn't go by that, which is kind of cool that she didn't change that. Yeah. So moving on, uh, Matt, we have Constantine, the Hellblazer yes. number five. Yeah, Constantine, the Hellblazer number five, uh, put out by DC Comics, written by Ming Doyle and James Tinian the Fourth, uh, with uh, art by Scott Kowalczyk. And Riley Rosmo. I just, I find it interesting that Constantine is such an undertaking that it takes two people to do writing and art each. <laughs> it's just like, what the heck? Well, um, so when I was putting together the list, I was trying to figure out who to actually, who did what. And it was, there's like a whole impossible. Constantine team. It's, there's a lot of people on this book. It, it takes a lot because, you know, everything you do when you put into Constantine, it just takes a little bit of your soul away. This <laughs> is true. And that's okay. <laughs> well, I think they have to start oh. with four people so that by the end there's at least one still left alive. <laughs> <laughs> or with a soul. Um, well, actually, I hadn't gotten caught up on the, the Constantine the Hellblazer comics. Um, the last thing I read was the first couple of the New 52 when it was just Constantine, which uh, you'll notice they canceled. Um, because that was... Kind of. They canceled it the Disney week the TV fight. series came out. They canceled it when the TV came out. The that's week ironic. the TV series came out, they canceled Constantine. Yeah, that's that's kind of stupid, but okay. <laughs> um, so the, when they came out with the Constantine book, that was called just Constantine, was uh, kind of New Fifty Two. It was less Vertigo and more DC. Um, and as you said, they. They canceled it. Um, this book is, and I've only gotten through a couple episodes of the of the series, the TV series, um, but it's kind of closer to the old Hellblazer books and the show, um, and less like that first try that they did. This is more kind of classic bastard magician um, getting into trouble and getting his friends killed. Um, it was really well done. I went back and I read through all five of the new series issues. Um, this is kind of 
the end, I think, really, of this arc, um, which was uh, basically the story of this monster that was going through and killing the ghosts of all of his friends. Constantine himself is haunted by all the these people that he's known and he's kind of used in his schemes that have ended up killed themselves. Well, they, they basically end up haunting him. Um, and something showed up and just starts killing ghosts, which is supposed to be impossible. Um, so over the, the five issues, he's basically been trying to track down uh, what this could be, um, how do I stop it? He, at one point, he went through, I think this was in issue three, he went through New York and he went to all these different haunted spots and he basically kind of got ghosts to follow him so that he could build up this huge pile of, uh, of ghost energy so that he was like all magicked up um, so that he could then try to take this thing down and it just went crazy and killed a whole bunch of the ghosts. So he goes back to England to try to figure out, okay, what the heck is this? What could do this? Because this is supposed to be impossible. Um, he actually ends up getting back uh, to England, um, and he figures it all out. You see some, some kind of uh, backstory on Constantine um, and some of the – I don't know if they're new characters or not. I'm not familiar with them myself, um, but they're kind of giving it a, a bit of a, a bigger world than it was just John kind of getting in the middle of other occult stuff in the DC universe. Uh, it was a really good book. Um, I personally thought the art, I didn't think I would like, but it works somehow. Um, I, I, the coat, the, the outfit, it look, just looks straight up Constantine and he's, he's a ruddy bastard and, and it's just really done well. And it's just kind of a, an outlet for, the wrong things that you would do if you didn't have to worry about having a conscience. I was wondering what you thought about the, the character design for that, uh, that the monster thing with like the, the tentacles, his ex-girlfriend. It was I don't know if such I like a, it or... an anime thing. Yeah. I swear that it's like a Japanese monster demon, like a, a but... mask. And it looked kind of like a kabuki mask with tentacles. Yeah, when awesome it had her face, I thought it was a lot more interesting. But then when it had this kind of like the skull alien looking face, I was like, eh. I thought it was a little bit more disturbing on some level to have her actual face. Agreed. But I think that's why they didn't have the face all the time. So they were trying to make the point of she's basically um, she lost herself to magic, right? She didn't become a magician um, or mage, whatever you want to call them. Um she right. didn't go yeah, all the she, way. She just kind of lived on the borders and you can't stay there. Humans will just like lose themselves. So her soul just kind of faded away and she was still fading. And when the face came forward, that was like her kind of remembering herself. But most of the time she was just kind of sliding back into rage. being a monster. Yeah. The rage beast. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why they kept doing the back and forth with the, the mask. The mask is just, her gone and then the face is like oh wait oh what am i doing oh yeah used there's to john yeah. yeah yeah the art is i don't know if i i think like you were saying it's it's definitely different um so it does kind of like otherworldly kind of well um but it's just i don't know i don't i don't like it i think is what it comes down to like it serves its purpose um but it just has is slightly off for me my favorite part of the art was I, there's that one spread where it's like the Polaroid and like the memories and like the little like trinkets and things. You see little, her little punk rock girl. That's the one that really stood out for me that I was like, okay, I really like this particular part, but the rest of it was just kind of like, hmm. But it might have been more just like, I, I really like the arrangement of how that was carried out. Like the layout on the page? Hmm? Or like the layout on the page? Yeah, the layout on the page. It's how it kind of showed, like, the memories and how it was kind of, like, devolving and how she was just kind of, like, I don't know. I just really like how that played out. And also probably because I really liked how the little punk rock chick was drawn. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like what I like. All right. Uh, Ryan, you're up. Miss Marvel number 19. Uh, I think we were going to do. Oh, did you want to switch it? Yeah, let's do A Force first. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I think everyone was chomping at the bit. Do it. To talk about uh, 
A four. So, Do it. Uh, I love Marguerite Bennett too. Oh yeah, well it's, it's Marguerite Bennett, Bennett, and it's uh, G Willow Wilson mm-hmm. um, writing, and then for uh, art you have uh, Jorge Molina. Um, so A Force number five. Um, when I, when I first started reading A Force, I was pretty convinced I wasn't really going to care um, about A Force very much, um, but this book really made me care about these characters and their their struggles and made me want to read the actual A-Force series. Um, This whole, so plot-wise, in this this series, um, there's been the the wall, or the shield, that separates um, each individual domain um, from kind of like the Outlands, where they banish uh, everyone, where all the the zombies and the Annihilus Wave and all of those those people are. And Loki uh, tries to cause... Uh, chaos and dissension in the ranks and uh, ends up getting caught and as part of her her final um, bit of, of rage and defiance is she she breaks the shield um, so all of the the zombies start uh, pouring in and all of the um, the members um, you know they they have their uh, a force assemble uh, you know with the person yelling that which that was pretty cool and then you see like all of these heroes fighting uh, zombies, which was pretty... There's some cool little uh, fight scenes that I really liked. Like, I really liked... Um, you have to see, like, Molly, like, kicking this uh, zombie in the face from... Oh, uh, yes. Which I thought was just awesome. Because, like, her line is, like... Uh, I think she calls him, like, a boogerhead or something, which, yeah. like, just kind of, like, nails that the character is, like, a, you know, 10 or 11-year-old girl. You know, she's... That's her, you know, most violent... Uh, the worst thing she can say to someone. Um, then there's a really cool one where, uh, Miss Marvel is like punching a zombie with her like giant and big and fist, um, and saying that getting to team up with everyone is, uh, you know, is better than her fan fiction. Um, and I think Carissa earlier, you would mention that you saw, uh, Gert writing I, Lace in the background, which I, I felt she even had a line. She had a line. <laughs> I actually took a photo. It's on my Facebook. I was so excited. I'm like all four runaway girls appear at some point in these panels somewhere and i was like i squeed and lost my little mind seeing gert on old lace so there like, was about uh, time <laughs> yeah so it was you had awesome like fight scenes and uh and moments but they do this thing in the very beginning of the book um where they, they kind of book in the first page and the last page with the same kind of idea where you know in the beginning um they, the first actual panel is really cool where you have a face that's made up of, of a composite of all of the members of A-Force. Like, I thought that was a really, like, a, a strong image to, to show. Um, but over that, it's talking about um, that there there is an island, is the line that they keep using, um, where they're talking about um, Arcadia and, you know, that it's basically all of the, the good things. It's, it's everyone together. I mean, it's the line they use. Um, was it's bells at dawn and bells at dusk, uh, rising towers of stone and silver uh and silver clay and stone sorry and chrome um it's the people the good the bad and all the rest um heroes and villains friends and family um and they keep so they use the line there is an island um and then that island is what's getting invaded by all of these zombies um coming across um like the the ocean that they have there um and then at the end where you find out um singularity who's like the the girl made up of like all the star stuff um, Which is you find gorgeous. Out, I love how that's drawn, how Singularity yes. is drawn. Yeah, I, I thought it was such a good way to where she... So the zombies are coming across, and basically there's too many of them for to, to defeat. Um, so she comes in and basically gathers them all up in like this like tornado whirlwind thing and sucks them out into space to destroy them. Um, and as she's doing it, um, there's a scene with... Uh, I didn't get to warn you about the giant shark. But, uh, I know you're... <laughs> it's the Megalodon. Yeah, I, I was just so happy to see Gert that I ignored the shark. <laughs> the Megalodon. Because, it was also because it had Menor. That's when Nico was there. So I was like, I can get past this. There's, you know, there's a runaway on the, on the page. <laughs> yeah, so there's a giant zombie um, dinosaur shark thing that's coming at um, Nico to rip her in half. And Nico at this point has basically lost all, all hope. Everyone she, she loved. So there's, there's a point in the book where this uh, megalodon is, is coming out of the water to 
to basically uh, kill Nico, um, also from Runaways. So Nico, like at this point, has has lost like all hope in the world. Like all of her friends are dead. Um, her people have betrayed her. She's ready to to die, like in the final stand. And that's where you have Singularity comes and grabs her out of the way. Um, and so not only like saves her, but like she, I feel like she doesn't only save her body; she's also like saving her her soul, and that she's rest- kind of restoring hope to her um, when she's telling her um, as she's flying her away. Um, I think her it's like smile, fight, feel, give, forgive, um, and that's when he tells tells her her name, Singularity, and then she grabs all the zombies in this like uh, tornado thing and lifts them out into space to be to be destroyed. So she sac- she ends up sacrificing herself for um, for all of uh, for Avalon, um, and it was really I, I thought it was a really touching uh, moment when that happened. And at the end, where I was talking about how they bookend the beginning of the the first page and the last end, the last page where they have again talking about that there is an island, but they're talking about um, singularity and like the the goodness and kindness that kind of lives in her heart. Um, that that's the island that it's Arcadia. It's not, I keep saying Arcadia. It's Avalon. That Avalon is going to be is like built upon. Um, you know that it's um, say what uh, she's sweetness and courage, defiance and sacrifice, um, giving and forgiving. So I just I think that they did. There's really awesome art in the book. You get really cool uh, scenes. You get like Zombie Hulk getting like a giant hole blasted in him. You get giant sharks getting thrown around. You see people kicking zombies in the face like. There's lots of really cool artwork, and the writing is really, really strong. And it really made me care about characters that I wasn't super invested in at the beginning. <laughs> Which I think is the point. Yeah, well, that's yeah. how you know a story is good, right? That at the end, you know, you actually you care about the characters. And, like, when A-Force number one comes out, I'm going to read that. I really want to see what happens. I really want to see how they can explain how it happens. Because it... I'm all behind it. I just don't understand. Like, poof, it just happens. I've so I've kind of had to make peace with uh, this whole what what is the Marvel universe with uh, you know <laughs> Secret Wars still going on and but now new series are starting and they don't really explain what happened. I've decided just to just kind of let it be and not really care to view each book independently. Which might be kind of how it's supposed to work, or but, or see them together more. Yeah. If you see them independently, it's fine. If you try to put them together in some sort of sense, it won't. Yeah. I so that is a little. I, I think they made a big mistake in how they chose to start the new books before Secret Wars ended. But I think they should have taken the opportunity that they gave themselves and done a reboot. Well, I, I, it's hard to say what they're going to do because they, they're not done yet, so I don't... But they've started. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't know. It was a and good I, book. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Did, uh, did you read it, Christina? No, no. I did not. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I have not caught up on any of that, unfortunately. I am so far behind on, on that. No, the funny, I've read one and five. You will- <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't read two, three, or four. So Aww. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I realize these are all people on a place called Arcadia. I, I, I read the why. first one, and I, I mean, I've look, I I hate to say that I've only looked at a couple of them. I just have not, uh, I have not finished all of them. I need to go back in succession and read them. Okay. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. I mean... I mean, the basic story is that uh, Medusa, um, they think there's a traitor in, in Avalon, and they they think it's Medusa, um, but really it's Loki. Um, so there's a couple issues where there's like a mystery going on. Um, that thing with the, the shark, um, the shark is one of the things that uh, Loki like summoned into Avalon to... Um, to cause chaos and trouble, and uh, America Chavez when they were fighting it, I think it was an issue one. That's the one. That, that's, yeah, that's the one I remember. That's why, and they said it was Megalodon. Yeah, I was like, I remember yeah, so Megalodon. How did America die? 
she didn't die. She was banished um, to the wall. That's right. Um, so if you read... Um, oh, okay. That's how it ended, isn't it? How the first issue ends? Yes. Oh, like her in the shield? Yes. Whoa. So then that, that kind of picks up in, uh, in Siege, um, where they end up uh, fighting like... Well, I guess I would say spoiler, but we said there were going to be spoilers. But they end up fighting like uh, Nick the Fury, um, who's like... <laughs> Well, he was like the commander of the shield, right? And then he goes on, you know, he goes across the wall, like, you know, ranging out, you know, and gets turned into this zombie and then leaves like an army back against him. Um, so that's, and then she's, she's in that, um, fighting against, against that. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what happened to America Chavez. Um, I think, yes, yeah, so, I mean, A-Force was, was good, um. Okay. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on to your other book. Okay. So my second book was The Wicked Divine, uh, number 15, Image Comics. It is written by Kieran Gillen, art by Stephanie Hans, which is awesome, and uh, James McKelvey. Um, This issue is one of the second issues of where they, well, actually not second, but they've done a, basically a full story of one of the individual characters, um, this one is awesome. I'm a huge fan of this character. Um, and I, her name is, I'm trying to get it right. Amaterasu is how I've heard it pronounced. Um, Amaterasu. Yeah, I've heard it pronounced a couple different ways. I actually had to go and Google. This is the one book that I actually had to go and Google the most words. I spend so much time Googling them and looking them up to see what they are. Well, I had to, so I had to figure out because I know, I know she's a, she's a Japanese goddess. Um, I know she has a brother, which we actually do get to see very briefly in one of, in one of the other books. Like when they go back in history, we get to see her brother, which is, I believe the moon God. Um, but when we get to the very end of the book, that's when I had to really, really start Googling. Um, so we get to see her in the beginning as before she became a goddess when she was human and she is holding a little, a little toy that she actually gets made fun of. That toy is from a is the it's a game it's a video game where that character and i i did not i had no idea the video game when i started googling this all of a sudden this thing came it's like is it okami is the video game yes it's okami Okami matarasu yes so i had no idea but this is this is the first this is the first we see of her because in that she She's trying to show who she is, but she's having a hard time with it. It's it's interesting because she is a Japanese goddess, but she's white. And English. Yeah, and English. They make a point of that. They make a huge point of that. The whole a lot of the whole story of this book actually is her trying her and the Morrigan um, talking about, you know, who she is, why she's who she is. She tries to show, you know, she's talking with Morgan and trying to show her this is who I really am. Um, and it's funny because in the end, it's like they start getting along and saying, you know, they knew who they, I guess they knew each other before they really became goddesses. And they, it's kind of funny because they have like this little chat and they're laying on the ground and they're actually being nice to each other. And then all of a sudden she has to leave and she leaves her in that realm wherever they are it doesn't even it doesn't really show where they are it looks like they're somewhere in japan um but she's in hiroshima right? yeah she just leaves her just leaves her there which is like you don't think it's tacky that you're a artificial yeah. son over hiroshima yeah and well then she realizes and she's like oh god yeah <laughs> you know? oops yeah oops yeah. sorry <laughs> sorry um so that i mean the, the whole book is is the art is Stephanie Hans is awesome. I don't know if anybody had an issue with the art. I love the art of this one because it's obviously I different. Did, you did or did I didn't have I didn't have an issue with it as as its own thing. Yeah. But I'm so used to the other art and the art is such a part of the book. Yes. That, that was it was hard for me. Like I didn't there's nothing wrong yeah. with this art. You know, like it's not poorly drawn, it doesn't um like it fits the tone of the story. Like everything is fine about it except that it's not it's not what it should be. No. Did you like so, the, the Tula Lote one? The one that she did? The which one? The, the one that Tula did? 
I don't remember that issue. That was the one. That was the um, that was the god like the goddess we never got to see. Um, oh, is it, uh, right. Yes. Is the goddess terror? It was the Terra story. Yes. Yeah that that one because that was Chulote and I thought that that artwork stood out as being perfect for that specific story. And I thought this worked well with the story because it's very, it's, it's very soft and very, I don't, it's not very, I don't say Japanese looking, but it is in a a certain way. Um, especially the last, the last picture in the book is her. And this was more of the Googling. Um, she's going to her shrine. That is actually her shrine. There is a shrine for her in Japan. Um, that's my favorite part. Yeah, that. I thought that was strong. Yeah, that is that's actually her shrine, and I believe she's talking to her goddess, her godfather, her actual father, who is a god, who is like in in Japanese myth, he's like you know he's like Odin, he's the god of all all gods. Um, but I I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I did anybody else have any thoughts about like that? Like, is that her real father or is that her? father who's a god i think they were trying to make a parallel between her being a spoiled rich girl and asking daddy to fix things i don't know um but at the same point in time doing that as well because those are those are um what do they call them they're supposed to be folded but those are prayers yes um they're supposed to be like folded in a particular way like kind of like in an l shape um, but I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was, it's trying to be that comparison of yeah. keeping it tied to the whole spoiled rich girl, but, um, God is asking her God parents to, to help. Try to remember some about Shinto and like their pantheon. If there is like familiar ties with the spirits. Oh, that's the whole thing about Shinto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's a family. It, it basically is yeah. there to um, legitimize the emperor and the emperor's family. Yeah. The emperor in Japan is descended from uh, all of the, the the Shindo. Yeah, they trace. Sema Rasu is they're like their great 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 mother. So I mean, that's that's what I was saying. That what I meant when she was saying father. I feel like it was just another part of the pantheon that she was. You know, fulfilling her part to that because those little tags are yeah they usually are just like the little prayer mm-hmm. requests. And I think I think Matt's right because he doesn't she doesn't say you know father help them she does use daddy, She's daddy. to me yeah it goes mm-hmm. back to her being like the you know kind of spoiled uh, you know child but I don't always be was kind of about you know very much about identity right yeah so she gets like. She gets questioned like over and over again, like is she this really is? She gets basically like called out for being so like so privileged, and then she you know turns into like a giant sun over Hiroshima, and like at the end, I felt like she's kind of like returning to like she's going back to her duties, you know, like she's embracing who she truly is. That was kind of the takeaway that I took that she's you know she's she's going to fulfill her duties and be what it is that she's supposed to be. And hopefully not get killed by what's Well, Well, that was when they talked about this introduction of the demon, right? Yeah. Talking about just trying to tell the gods that there's a demon right. after them. They need to all unify together. She's such an awful liar. She is so evil. ancient, and she keeps herself alive by killing them. I don't think they actually have to die after two years. Oh, no. I think they all just no. get killed within two years. They so don't. She can suck the life she's out of keeping her lifetime. Yes. That's, I, yes. Yeah. She's keeping herself alive. She I, is. I'm hoping at least some of them live and she dies because I hate her. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I think I this. Think well, I don't think it will happen, but I wanted to. Yeah, this is one of many cycles. I mean, when they go back in some of the earlier books, you see past gods and goddesses oh, no, that don't exist anymore. <laughs> right. Like, like, nobody knows who they are. Yeah. I, I read the whole series, too. But, oh, I hate that one. Yeah. 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 I, I remember the reveal issue where you found out that she was she was really evil. Oh. That was shocking. That was heartbreaking. That was so heartbreaking. Oh, that was such yeah, a Yeah, Wicked and Divine is... It's a, it's, it's a book that, that definitely... 
makes you both like think and definitely like feel things. Yeah. Know? Like it's, it's very good at those two things. It is a great emotional roller coaster because it gives you so much highs. Like you see some so many awesome things, and then all of a sudden you there's just the freaking nail in the coffin on somebody. You're like, oh man. <laughs> there's that that one issue with uh, the girl with. Um, where they have all like the internet comments. Uh, uh, that, that's the two little that, That's that's yeah, the issue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that that issue was just stabbing straight to the heart. It was. Intense. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It was. It definitely was. But it was. It was. The whole intense. series is just. Yeah. yeah, I push the series to anybody who doesn't read comics, and they love it. I mean, it's one of those things where if you love music and you have a slight interest in mythology, it it hits all the right notes. Yeah, it's it's very good. So, coming up next, uh, Carissa, Vampirella, Army of Darkness, number okay. four. I have to, I, just putting it out there, you know, I apologize in advance, it's not normally a typical pick, but I figured with Halloween coming up and my love of Army of Darkness and all things Bruce Campbell, I just couldn't resist when I saw it come across on the things to pick from. Um, but that being said, I was actually a little surprised. Um, it definitely had that army of darkness feel. Um, I wasn't, a, um, I mean, it starts off there, you know, stuck in that world of army of darkness. He's traveling around with Famparella and this, the banter between them, it felt like authentic to that, that movie series, you know, it felt yes. like legit. You know, and like the artwork um, was very vampirella, I think more like than anything else. But it actually, surprisingly, I, th- I was entertained for what it was. You know, I wasn't really going in expecting very much. But um, yeah, <laughs> I just, um, just like some of the commentary with, like he's, you know, he's going in there to stop these monks from performing something that, like, that they think will be helpful against the Deadites. And he knows better obviously, and so he's trying to stop them. And the part where he says, you know, he tries to say he's Friar Tuck, and then later on he goes, oh, no, I'm Friar Fuck. I, I giggled. I couldn't help it. <laughs> it was just too funny yeah. for me. I mean, for they me, like... I, I expect, wanted. Yeah, it probably wasn't a book I would have pulled um, and read, um, but I'm not, I'm not upset that I did, because it was... It felt like it had the right tone of the like Army of Darkness movies, um, the dialogue sounded completely authentic, you know. Um, the art wasn't bad. Um, yeah. It was I mean, kind of, it, it, like, it was like a throwback. Yeah, it was better than, it, than I thought it would be, definitely. That's exactly what I thought. It was, it was more, than I, thought. I was pleasantly surprised. It was more Vampirilla than Army of Darkness because his jaw just wasn't big enough. <laughs> but I, think style, I think the artwork style was definitely more Vampirilla. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I I was fun. Like I, I read it, um, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, I I definitely felt like it was, art nailed that army of darkness um, tone and characters really well. Like at the end where they had like the the checkout thing, you mm-hmm. know, uh, again just nailed those notes from that you want from the movie without being, you know, like derivative or, you know, they they were in the right spirit, but they didn't uh, like they didn't copy it. Exactly. So I, I enjoyed it. I, surprisingly more than I thought I would. I don't know if I'm going to go back and read any more uh, Vampirella Army of Darkness crossovers, you know, but um, I would definitely keep an eye on... So who were the actual... I was going to say I was gonna, I would keep an eye on, like, the writer and artist and know that they... If I see them on something else, that they are... That they can write a good story. Who... Oh, yeah. Actually, sorry, I forgot to mention uh, Dynamite Comics, written by Mark Rayher, Rayner, and art by Jeff or Jet, sorry, Jet Morales. Yeah, and so I, I think that those are names of people who are better, not better, but I think you'll see them on other things um, as time goes on. You know? Yeah, I was just, it was just in the vein of trying to pick something new that wasn't my typical stuff, but I def, you know, but within the, something that I thought might be fun. So I'm glad you guys were as surprised as I was. Yeah, and I mean, people like what they like. There's no, 
you know, you don't have to, it doesn't always have to be, you know, a super serious image book or like Marvel superheroes punching each other in the face. I mean, there are, you can take detours into little corners of comics where things exist that you're surprised by that are good. But my, my point was, like, this is volume four, issue four, and I haven't read one or three through three at all. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Um, I didn't feel like I really needed to. So. I thought it was a pretty self-contained story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so moving on. Uh, Matt, your pick, switch number one. Switch number one, put up by Image Comics, written by Stephen Sejic. And art by Stephen Sajik. <laughs> I have no idea if I'm saying that name right. He's, he's Sounds good. Uh, so I don't know. There's a lot of extra letters in there. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I've actually been a fan of Stephen's or Stephen or whatever. Um, I've, I've been a fan for a very long time from the DeviantArt. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of, there's a bunch of uh, kind of memes that are all based on, well, not really based on his stuff. It's just, straight up his pictures um he does uh kind of tongue-in-cheek comic book stuff um there's one where um green lantern is using his ring to make kryptonite basically to scare superman um he, he does that kind of stuff but he's got this really nice fluid clean art um that's deviant art looking but works really good in a comic book um it's there's just the lines that you need to have and then he does a lot of the shape building and whatnot off of the coloring um and it's using a very digital art coloring style um so it's it's not a lot of using lines to do the you know building up the shapes and whatnot it's using just that color and then gradients of the color and whatnot and i love how Stephen's art works, uh, or art looks rather. Um, the book itself, I've never been a a Witchblade fan ever. Um, I've never really been a uh, a fan of the particular imprint of Marvel that Witchblade came from. I think it's Top Cow. Image. Um, Top Cow's image. Right. Is it, what did I say? That you said Marvel. Image imprint. Did I say marble? You said marble. Oh, okay. Image imprint. Um, I've never been a fan of, of the whole darkness or witchblade or anything else like that. I thought that they were all just kind of <sighs> fan service. Um, the It's like the worst comic writers and artists. I, I'm one of the people who did not like Marvel 90s. Uh, I don't even, I still, I hate Jim Lee, um, but I love Wildstorm, which is the funny. Um, I, I like the stuff that kind of came out of Jim Lee, but I don't really like his art. I think he's overplayed. Um, he does way too much crash or crash, uh, crash housing. We're never going to get Jim Lee on this podcast then. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Listen, Burn that bridge. Me, but he's not that I type have of person. a Jim Lee Batman t-shirt that on Fridays when I'm allowed to wear a t-shirt, by God, that is pretty much the shirt I wear. I also I just don't like it. I also have Jim Lee Batman leggings. But I did like Hush's Batman logo. I specifically have that shirt. Um, I just don't like it. I, I There's something about his art that just bugs the heck out of me. He does too muscly. It just doesn't look right. Yeah, I think um, I've heard that said that ever. The what? I think you're the only person I've ever heard say that ever. No, I just don't like him. I mean, I, I'm sure he's a great person. I just don't like his art. I, I didn't like it on the X Men, like a lot. I didn't like it on the X Men. Um, I, I just it's there's too many lines. It's just way too many lines. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the opposite of, like, a, maybe, like, Stan Sakai or, like, a, with, like, a clean... I mean, that's what you're describing that you like about this book. It's clean lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it, the clean lines the and the art and the color. It, the yeah. thing about Jim Lee is it looks like it's meant to be drawn in black and white, and then they colored it. That shows a lack... And I know he doesn't have a lack of skill because Jim Lee is one of the most respected artists in the industries. 
but it shows a lack of knowing what you're doing. And it, that's what confuses me. And I'm like, I know you know how to draw. You're one of the best artists out there. Even if I don't like it, I can admit that he's one of the best artists in comics. Why does it look like that? It just, it's grating. Yeah. Uh, it's way better than Rob Liefeld, but that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the bar is not, although kind of a diversion. Covenant is actually really good. It's, um, a, it's a series from Image, um, Rob Liefeld, which I did not think I would like at all. Um but I read issue one and I love it. But that's that's not the series we're talking about. <laughs> we're getting all over the image world here. But <laughs> for uh, for Switch, for Switch, it was a really good book, really good story. It gets you kind of into that Witchblade universe without having to have any backstory on it at all, which is good because I didn't. Um, I never understood why a New York police detective would wear nothing except for this suit of armor that is barely covering. Um, but Stepin kind of weaves a new tale. Um, the story is basically there's uh, the darkness and the Angelus, and the darkness obviously is the evil. But the Angelus is not that great either. So there are two opposing forces, and they together had a child, uh, and that is the Witchblade. And the Witchblade is an artifact that basically grants uh, a human, when it attaches to it, powers um, and the you know ability to to fight uh, and use you know magic strengths, and it makes them better defense. Um, and it like comes to Earth and it hits this cave woman, and then down throughout time, the Witchblade causes the and it always attaches to women, um, but it causes them to be. And maybe not necessarily causes them. Perhaps these are just naturally powerful women, um, like emotionally or mentally or whatever. Um, but it's always queens, warrior queens, uh, you know, just they do something huge and, and they're, you know, respected by people. Um, and it, it always drops on those particular people and it, it helps them be bigger. And it shows like this throughout time kind of, um, what's the right word? Basically, it shows like the witch blades throughout time, in this kind of backstory that the the main character gives. Um, but it's basically explaining how she ended up with the witch blade, and how she's kind of the atypical person because she's just this quiet kind of nerdy girl uh, who kind of sits, you know, in the back, and she's a bit of a wallflower. But she ends up with the witch blade, um, and. But kind of by accident, she her parents own a bookstore. Um, she loves UFOs and you know weird kind of mystery things. Um, they're going out of you know her bookstore, and the uh, the Witchblade had been on the way to get transferred. Um, and the Angelus decides that it's going to try to steal it, and it sends down this Caraboom to steal the Witchblade um, so that they can attach it to somebody they can control. And the truck uh, ends up getting turned over. The blade falls out. Um, and to save her little brother, the, the girl who ends up getting the witchblade, she pushes him out of the way. The witchblade falls out and is like right there. And it's like close enough so that it reaches out and touches her. She becomes a witchblade. The great thing about it, fully clothed. I'm like, how do they do a witchblade with clothes? Uh, they, they did it really well. Like, yeah, you were saying, um, like, I don't. I mean, I know of, like, Witchblade and the Darkness and all of that, but that's from a time in Image where I didn't really, I don't know, it just seemed to Mountain Dew Extreme, you know, like, Image was in that world for a while, right? Um, Witchblade and Fathom, I really liked the art back then. I know that they were naked and it was only covering their naughty bits, but something about it was so pretty. I really, I think that's the only reason why I eventually really picked it up was because of that. It was part yeah, of what I turned mean, me off that I didn't like the art. I mean, it's designed to catch your attention. Or the red. So. But I or thought the, the writing on this was really strong. I thought oh, the good. art was good. Like, I want to read this now. I don't know if I necessarily want to go back and read any of the old stuff. And I, so oh, I, I know I don't. I can't compare it to the old story or how it's the same and how it's different and what's 
what's an homage and what's new. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. This is just yeah, good on its own. Uh, I want to, I want to read it. Um, and I, it stands, I, th- I think very independent of whether you read Witchblade or Darkness or any of that or not. It's just, it's good and solid on its own. And I think that's, that that's the its biggest strength is you absolutely do not need to go back and look at anything else. You can just pick up from here and go. Yep. You'd probably be better if you don't go back and read the other stuff. But it leaves it open so it's not like a reboot or anything. It's in the future. The Estacado kid, that's the son of the darkness from the old books. Yeah, I kind of got the uh, feeling that this was like Witchblade and Darkness, the next generation, kind of. You know, like, yes, it's in the same universe, and there might be characters that are that are similar to each other, but it's not, you know, it's not like that other stuff didn't happen in the past, I guess. I don't know. You it's, absolutely don't need good it. enough, I absolutely do not need whatever happened in the past. Yeah. I'm happy to have what is here right now. Yes. All right. Ryan, last pick, yes. Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel 19 um, from Marvel Comics, um, written by G. Willow Wilson, um, art by uh, Adrian Nalfona. Miss um, Marvel is probably one of my favorite fake people in the world. Um, <laughs> right? She's a character that I love. I love that girl. She is so amazing. Um, I mean, we've seen in these 19 issues, seeing her go... Um, you know, from a, a young girl who's like very unsure of herself and her place in the world. Uh, and then on top of that, you drop the inhuman powers on her and she has to figure out that world, um, growing, you know, more and more capable, um, as the story advances. So, you know, she meets, um, she meets her heroes, uh, throughout the story. Like she gets like trained by like Wolverine and Wolverine ends up liking and respecting her. She, finally meets Miss Marvel and she has her like her moment of like fangirl like squeeing that she's so so happy to meet her but then they go on an adventure together and she impresses her you know that she's able to stand I mean literally shoulder to shoulder with her idol um and not be and to be told that she's worthy of calling herself that like that you know that that's big um the big thing um I mean that's what I think the series as we see the end of it has kind of been about is like, is finding your place and your strength to, to stand on your own and inhabit the world. Like as you're, as you're meant to, um, this one, um, it's the, and again, this is with Marvel's timeline with secret wars and not wrapping up their old stuff. So you've got secret wars ongoing. You've got some series facing the end of the world right now. And then you have other series starting, um, their new series running all. So this is all going on at the same time. So it's a little confusing, but this is basically the very beginning of secret wars when they have all the, the different multiverses collide together and destroy each other. Um, so Miss Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan is told, um, of what's happening. Um, Miss Marvel um, tells her, you know, that the end is coming and basically, uh, she doesn't Captain think Marvel. that, yeah, Captain Marvel. Um, that she doesn't think that they're going to be able to to win this time. So that that knowledge um, that's a that's a terrible and weighty knowledge to have to know, you know, that the world is going to is going to end and there's nothing that can be done about it. Um, Especially when you're like 17. <laughs> yeah, and, and she handles it like that's where you see her strength, right? When she finds out that the world is going to end, she doesn't. You know, she doesn't lose her shit. She doesn't, uh, you know, collapse like crying in a corner. She goes and there are people who still need her help that until the, you know, until there's no more fighting to be done until, until essentially until they're dead, she's going to do everything she can to comfort these people and provide, you know, food and water for them and like lift their spirits so that they don't, they don't have to die afraid. Um, So there's a, there's a scene where like, Kamala Khan, like, they really took, like, the, the Peter Parker um, archetype and they, they applied it to her, like, brilliantly. So she's got her parents, who she's been hiding her, um, 
her secret identity from. You know, she'd been sneaking out of the house at night and, you know, coming back in just as they're getting up. Um, you know, and she thinks that she's been hiding this from them. Um, but when she knows that the world is going to end, um, she doesn't want to die um, with this this lie between her and her parents that she wants them to be to be like reconciled. You know, she doesn't want to leave anything unsaid. And I think that, that that like drive, like if there's anyone who's ever lost anyone, there's always that time where you wish you could go back and have that one last conversation. And I think that's a lot of what Kamala is doing in this issue. She knows the end is coming, so she's going to these people that are important to her, and she's having that final conversation to clear the air with them. And there's this moment when she tells her mom, you know, the big revelation that she's, you know, she's a superhero, and her mom basically tells her, I know, I've known the whole time, and, you know, not only that, but I'm proud of you, you know. She tells her that you, you know, you're a righteous person, you, you know, you defend the weak and the innocent. Um, and, you know, yes, you may sneak out at night, but if, if the worst thing you're doing is to go and help people who need your help, you know, that makes me, you know, a very lucky mother, you know. And I thought that that was, like, on a, a personal level, that that really nailed that that character and that kind of universal desire. Because there, there's a separation between parents and teenagers that happen. And I'm, I'm old enough now to have been both the teenager and be the parents. So I, I can see it from both sides. So that, that scene to me really, really struck home. Uh, that that reconciliation of having your parents, um, you know, understand what it is you've done, why you've done it and tell you that they're, they're proud of you. I think that that's a really, really powerful scene. Um, and then we see her go to everyone and there's this kind of break where they have, basically a dance party in the middle of the apocalypse, um, which I thought was just, it was, it was like a nice break between the heaviness of that scene. Yeah. yeah well, they're like something like, you know, this is Jersey city. There's only one way we can do this. And they're like dance party, you know, and everybody like starts their like dancing. And I thought it was like a really strong use of like, um, I think it was last week we talked about, um, like telling rather than showing. Mm-hmm. So you see everyone doing all their dances, but then you see each of them like teaching the other person next to them how to do like their dance from their culture, you know? So you see everyone kind of like at the end, you know, they're all dancing like in harmony and in step with each other, you know? So she leaves them there and then she goes to the rooftop to meet with her, her like best friend um, who both have had feelings for each other for a long time but neither one has said anything and have kind of left it um, unsaid. So they finally say everything they need to say to each other. Um, but they, they can't, you know, of course, because it's tragic, you know, they can't be together. Um, so at the end, they just, they stand there basically on the rooftop, just kind of in this like peaceful silence. And in the background, you see this, like this glowing light from New York city where basically the multiverses are colliding and it just gets like larger and larger through these panels of them talking um, until eventually it's just like the light starts washing out like the actual panels and the text and, you know, the actual character. It's just, it's eerie. Like it's, you know, I mean, it is the end of, end of the world, the end of, of everything, you know, and they, I, I think that she, she meets it on her feet. She sets her world right and she goes out the way that I think people want to, to go. She leaves at peace, you know? And I just think that Captain Marvel, I'm sorry, Miss Marvel (laughs) has been just (laughs) an an amazing, well, there's a lot of female Marvel somethings and it gets, I know I I keep doing it too. Yeah. But uh, it's, there's, you know, that's that's too, too many. (laughs) You should come up with some new names. There's Mary Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Captain Marvel. Ugh. I need a flowchart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, those scenes where they have, like, they're showing you the criminal conspiracy and they have all the names pinned up on the wall. I feel like that's what I need to keep the, you know, all the different Marvels straight. But you need that with like the yarn. Yes. You need that for the uh, Spider-Verse, too. The Spider-Verse needs that as well. Actually, Marvel made one. Oh God! They hired uh, database developers and graph developers, and they they created an application for doing that, so that they could figure out the relationships between all of their properties. Oh, 
I saw. I've um, seen it. It's it looks almost like a solid color. <laughs> I saw this. It's insane. Uh, of the Marvel Universe of who slept with who. Oh oh. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. I've seen that one too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and the most kills. That one I like. That one. The most kills. Yeah. That one's a good one. So the. Uh, but I mean, Miss Marvel to me, um, I think it's a really good example of how to do diversity correctly, and that you tell a really, really solid, good story. That's like the point of Miss Marvel. I mean, because she was a female character, um, she's a Muslim, you know. But that's not the point of her of her character. She's she's strong and well developed and well written, and that that shows her humanity and her the way that she reaches out to, to the world and unifies them and brings them into, you know, peace and harmony. I think that that, by telling that story through the strength of the characters rather than, like, hitting you over the head with it, I think uh, was really, really strong. So I, I, I love the series. I love this issue. Um, I thought that scene on the rooftop with that light at the end was just was haunting. You know, it reminded me of, like, a, like a nuclear holocaust, basically. That's what it reminded yeah. me of. It was very good. Um, so in a short word, you liked it? Uh, very much. Very, very much. She's like, no, I thought it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> One out of five stars. <laughs> Negative stars. Yeah. I do. I, I, I'm, I'm so worried that they're going to assign the, the artist to somebody else. Because the, the art on this book is just perfect for this book. Yeah, it's it's yeah. very it fits really well. Um, like the facial expressions that they draw are very, very expressive. You know, yep. There's really strong acting there. I think. But I think that's it's like a caliber without Art Adams. <laughs> so I think that's every all the books we. All right. Yep. So those were the books that we read this week. To read our reviews, check our weekly pull lists and other nerd shenanigans, go check out fourcolornerds.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.